0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 218 of the JV Club with my guest, the marvelous comedian and author Aaron Judge. I am so glad that we uh, made it work, and I'm so annoyed with myself for once again. Um, calling out that it takes a long time for certain podcast episodes to happen. It's just become so tiresome because it's always true. Uh, Shout out wise folks I want to thank uh, Jamie and Magda for their email all the way from Germany. I said all the way from Germany like uh, email takes longer to get to me from Germany. Uh, Roberto, uh, great seeing you at New York Comic Con and uh, just great, great, great time uh, at the con in general. I want to thank everybody who came out to the various panels that I did and um, just encourage everyone to give your support to Stand Against Evil. I'm so excited. Uh, the premiere is rapidly approaching. If you're in the LA area and you want to come hang out with me at the premiere at Hollywood Forever Cemetery, that is Wednesday, November 19th. You can go to ifc.com for details. You can look up Synespia for details. That's C-I-N-E-S-P-I-A. Um, uh, that is going to be very cool. We're showing episodes. We're having a party. It's at a cemetery. What more can I say? Uh, and then the premiere is, um, we got a sneak peek on Halloween and then we, wear, uh, we air regularly on IFC, um, uh, and, uh, and, and check IFC for details. So, uh, and then please just tweet it out You know honestly I, I guess I don't ask You guys to necessarily um, Say a bunch of stuff on social media um, I also always forget to ask You to rate the podcast on iTunes but uh, I would love for you to do that as well I'm very Lax at that kind of stuff um, But it, it, the more uh, I can Get the kind of social media impact out there um, For Stand Against Evil the better Because that's really where um, People and word of mouth makes a huge Difference it's not a show that Has you know a gajillion bus ads um, but it is a fucking awesome show and I'm so proud to be a part of it and, um, and I really encourage you guys to lend your support, hashtag it um, Stand Against Evil has an official um, Twitter account through IFC so help me out and get the word out um, and Facebook and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, I want to also thank uh, for their wonderful emails Maureen and Jessica and uh, I think that's it. Um, I've giving you all the stand information if you are in the austin area this upcoming weekend i will be at a premiere of diani and divine meet the apocalypse with gabe and etta and a bunch of the fantastic cast and crew um come and hang out with us at the premiere i'm sure you can look up the austin film festival for uh, details and that's it Uh, i will talk to you guys soon and check out erin's book uh, vow of celibacy we'll talk about it a lot in the podcast episode but um she's so smart and wonderful and i think you're really going to enjoy this episode okay talk to you next time did I just said bibbidi boo like that's a, I mean I guess that's a Cinderella sort of reference, a bibbidi bobbity boo, but I just shortened it. Yeah, it's a mashup. It's like you you did a little abbreve. I really did. Really DJ'd that up, didn't I? <laughs> bibbidi- <laughs> um, DJ Bibbidi-boo. Bibbidi Boo. Bibbidi Boo. She's your fairy god DJ. That's right. That's right. Um that's funny. I was that uh, that uh the randomness of that just reminded me of um The, like a thing that happens when you are shooting stuff with kids and they have, uh, they have a very specific legal amount of time that they can be on set and like their school and all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of rules around it. So whenever you're working with kids, that is like the number one priority is everyone's sort of focused on... It's like when you're doing a commercial and everyone's only focused on like the hero pizza or like whatever the car is. You are so a second class citizen to whatever has the most kind of rules or like importance around it. And so, and I don't know if you knew this, but when... So for kids when they hit the time that they have to go um, legally, they call it like pumpkin time or like pumpkin hour. (laughs) They turn into a pumpkin. Yeah, and so I just think that's so funny that this is the sort of holdover like, oh, wow, somewhere along the line, Cinderella became like the perfect point of reference for the legality of children working on a set. And there's something about that that's sort of like, there's just something about that that's always been sort of funny and strange to me. I like
1: that also the image is like, then they get... Turned back into somebody in tattered rags that's right
0: that's right or like yeah or 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 wait so they were a pumpkin but now they're a coach like now they're the coach. they're not that's not a person reference it's not like cinderella turned back into a pumpkin right right totally <laughs> so weird it
1: is but i've heard i've heard what time do you turn into a pumpkin is like a normal thing i hear people uh, say like okay. i have an appointment at you know noon so right. i turn into a pumpkin at 11 right. 45
0: i mean that's I guess that's a real like I'm. I guess there aren't. That, I'm trying to think of other fairy tales in which t- the a clock is you know incredibly crucial. And right. Maybe there isn't anything. The hour that strikes. I I don't yeah, know. I'm not. It's not like we're like listen. The witch is going to cook me and eat me in about two <laughs> hours. So, but maybe if Hansel and Gretel always like if the witch always ate children at 11 p.m. I'm going to sleep for one hundred years. That's right. That's right. Like, well, just that's a, a good minutes. one actually. I yeah. guess people do reference Rumpelstiltskin yeah Rumpelstiltskin what a name um but anyway thanks for enjoying that uh coast down not even memory lane but just weird terms in show business lane i am not familiar with the children turning into
1: a pumpkin my my, my, my pumpkin. greatest frame of reference for for kids on set is that show love on netflix oh yeah with like the little girl who he tutors
0: oh okay i haven't seen love yet it's uh i mean it there's a bunch of great people in it yeah all it's great my door but it's great
1: it's great yeah it's a it's it it's interesting context for that for me yeah that's a big subplot of
0: the oh yeah show. so There's a little girl that is in show business that Mm -hmm. one of the characters tutors. Is that what it is? Is it Paul Russ character or is it someone else who tutors tutors her?
1: Um, No. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And she's Judd Apatow's actual daughter. Gotcha. So and she's she's magnificent because she's like insufferable, but also suffering a lot. Uh Like it's a really great. Character, That's and real. also the show that she's on is hilarious. Like it's oh. ridiculous. Oh yeah, she's like, like a, a magical true. child, like a, sure. some sort of child witch. Sure, sure.
0: So there was, um, I guess it was a Woody Allen movie. Everyone's favorite guy right now, who but I guess still keeps turning out television movies. So uh, obviously there's still like a lot of uh, question marks about that stuff. Is so hard, man. The sort uh-huh. of personal, private. Yeah, this person like he said, she said. Uh, yeah, I mean, with him, it's rough. pretty intense. Like, it's really not like intense. it's not like
1: he grabbed my genitals. It's like yeah. he he's my dad, and he, I know. you know, like so
0: that that is like one of the most upsetting things. How, yeah, how how much people
1: are like, listen, I don't know. Well, and how much people are, are have to professionally adjudicate these things.
0: Yeah, that's consistently. a really for it.
1: You know, it's like, did you work with this person? Did you work with Bill Cosby? Did you right. work with Woody Allen? Like, it's like, at what point is the tipping point for this person's like, you know, whether they're convicted or not, they're like sort of socially designated, like, okay, they're on an untouchable now. Right. It doesn't seem like Woody Allen's ever going to hit that.
0: No, I mean, you know, you, eh, gosh, it's, yeah, it's so uncomfortable. It is because that's because that's a that's a place and time in which we sh- society usually sort of comes together to protect the interests of a child. But if it's something that it comes out later and there's enough of them, I mean, I, 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 all of that kind of stuff, I sort of am really uncomfortable about. And I'm even talking about like you know this Amanda Knox um documentary came out and i was like oh true crime amanda knox i I vaguely remember something about i remember hearing about her and something about italy but like i so am uncomfortable with sort of salacious Mm -hmm. stuff in the media that i like i wouldn't i have a vague idea of who kim kardashian look like what she looks like but i couldn't tell you what anyone else in that family looks like um I just don't... I, there's something about it that, like, I get uncomfortable with. But then after the fact, after something's... Like, I... So, I watched the Amanda Knox documentary, and I was like, Oh, wow. all oh, this was going... This was what was being discussed? Like, yeah. how gross. But then I'm fascinated now, and I the same thing with like everything that happened with Woody Allen. I was like, uh, like I'm sure many people he's worked with. I was like, I don't know, I don't. Care. That's uncomfortable. I, this is weird. You know, there's no, yeah. there's a, there's such a a, a a swell of people on the other side saying this is a sensationalist family. Look at how weird and broken Mia Farrow's whole family has been. Blah blah blah. And it's just you don't know if that's like a media machine someone with great spin or if it's true and then you're like none of this is my business and so i didn't really and then finally one day i ended up reading a couple of pieces on the this really happened side um and i and and i i was just i was i again i was so uncomfortable and so well i mean disappointed and sad about all of it
1: did you read Dylan Farrow? Like Nick Kristoff gave her his column one day. I did. That's York what Times. I read. Yeah. I That's mean, that I to me is just like, well, you know, like hashtag believe women kind of thing. I know. And it's, it's like I've talked to a lot of people who are like, oh, but, you know, sometimes you can implant this kind of thing in children. And I just I mean, obviously, none of us knows what happened, but none of us knows what happened anywhere ever. And like, it's clear that this child had a t- traumatic experience and like. Ronan, her brother, is pretty chill, and like he's like, yeah, no, this this all happened, and this was the context of my childhood. So you know, I I just I just feel like I just I have to believe it, you know. And I just feel like as as somebody who knows about how these things work and how these things happen, like I mean, I think I think honestly, like, and this is like my crazy hippie stuff, but like I think honestly, all this stuff is easier to believe. The truth is easier to believe when we don't say everybody who's ever done anything inappropriate is a monster. Right. And when we use the word monster for people, like then we dehumanize them and then it feeds into the denial. Right. So when you have a person who like everybody loves and trusts, how could they be a monster? It's like, well, they're not a
0: monster. They're a human who's screwed up and who has harmed someone. I don't think that's heavy to be at all. I think that's I think that's really a, a very smart, grounded way to look at things that happen because it's the same. I do. Are do you? <laughs> I always laugh at myself because uh, I, I, I somehow have been managing to like weave in true crime far too often in the podcast. But are you like a fan of that kind of this this sort of? Uh, swell of everything is now like if you are a true crime fan, you have a, a million different options uh, of stuff to follow. Or are you? I'm not
1: really a true yeah. crime person, um, but I will say that this is definitely the most I've talked about child sex abuse
0: within five minutes of meeting someone. Let's get right into it. <laughs> I like to get right into it. It, it gets more uh, frivolous and silly towards the end. Yeah, so might it'll be well the weather, hard, <laughs> Yeah, we were gonna hit it so hard yeah. right from the top. No, I, you're absolutely right. This is uh, par for the course for me. Par for the course.
1: No, but um, I, 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 I am not like the reason I think I'm a little bit reticent about true crime is because I am a real sensitive. So like when I watch something, like I was watching Luke Cage, and there were a couple times when I had to like kind of turn away because yeah. there was
0: like too much like you're like he's too muscular and handsome.
1: Yeah, no, it's just like he's gonna haunt my dreams with his sexiness. <laughs> and he has, but it's truly, it's truly like. My level of empathy is so high that it's hard for me to watch true crime. And Mm -hmm. I have a friend who is a producer. She lives in Canada and she produces um, like these wife killed her husband shows, like a lot of them. Yeah. She's worked on multiple of this genre. Yeah. And she's always looking for these stories and people just volunteer them. Yeah. People are like, she, they, they find out... Do you out- want me to kill my husband? <laughs> that's amazing. It's more like, you know, she'll be at the airport and they'll be like, they have like their credentials for the crew or whatever. And somebody will be like, oh, my cousin killed his wife. Right. You want to hear the right. story? That's and they're amazing. like, oh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: Let me write Well, down. That's, that's the tricky... That's a sort of slippery slope is that like, um, you know, there's one... There's there's this sort of... The, the, to the tightrope that I think we find ourselves walking uh is this kind of like when does it tip over into this just gross sort of like and then he was dude and then there's like <laughs> a commercial for whatever uh versus you know this sort of serial side of things where some, some like an NPR reporter made true crime slash a mystery slash false conviction Um, into more of an intellectual debate. And then there are so many podcasts that have sprung up since then that are really more on the legal, the sort of here's where our, our criminal justice system is and lives and a lot of that opposed to the kind of more sensationalist side of it and the kind of like gory sort of creep. So the stuff that I'm interested in is it leans far more towards how could this happen or what do we say when we say everyone deserves a fair trial that doesn't exist anymore. Maybe it never did. It probably never did um, because it's such a class system. You know, it's such a series of like, well, if you're poor, you absolutely don't have the same chance of staying out of prison as somebody who's rich. You just don't, it's not even close. Um, or if you're black versus white versus, you know, so, um, so that's kind of where I've been like gobbling all of that stuff up. Um, and, uh, I don't even remember where this was going. I think we were sort of talking about that. Oh, that's, I know exactly where it was. It was, it was the idea of someone thinking of someone as a monster. So there's this one, um, case that's happening right now, I think it's in, it must be in Georgia. There's a lot of stuff that goes down in Georgia. Uh, <laughs> well, and, the devil did go yeah, down the devil, there. The, I mean, the, the devil's down there. <laughs> Good luck, everybody, because that's where he moved. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a guy who, there's a case right now where a, a guy uh, left his child in a car and the child died, which is something that happens quite a lot often by very responsible parents totally very responsible parents right absolutely this guy is kind of a sleazebag oh so the issue so becomes a very interesting issue because it's they have so much meat that they can use against him to to quote unquote prove that he murdered his child willfully so that he could go off and be a father or a sonless you know a uh, guy who can like cheat on his wife and whatever, right? Because that's so hard to just do. Yeah, exactly. Like it's really you know hard know to be your a deadbeat you dad. Your, your kid is holding you down in so, Georgia, yeah, especially. So yeah, exactly. So that and then it's so that's what's happening is this idea of like you know no one and and I think at its core ultimately what uh, everyone to the person just about says and thinks especially when you're you know looking for jury selection everyone goes i would never do that it you are a monster if you even if you whether or not you do it willfully anyone who would forget their child is a monster that would never happen to me and that's exactly what you were saying is like when you place this sort of fairy tale giant ogre you know characterization on someone who does anything that is upsetting or Uh, hurts other people or, you know, in some way feels like it's an aberrant part of our society, it feels safer on some level to be like, well, that's a monster and the rest of us are regular people. Right. And I think to your point, that's incredibly dangerous for so many reasons. Yeah. I mean, that article, like there
1: was a Washington Post or Washington Times article that won the Pulitzer about how common it is to have a child die. They're actually thinking about putting alarms on child seats because it's Uh, that common. It's like one of the most like it's once your child is in the child seat, they're safer um, in a car accident. And then they, but they, but them getting left in the car is like the next most dangerous thing. Yeah. You know, it's insanely common. And um, it's like, When you say, and I think that there's a lot of other stuff going on around like, you know, blaming the victim for sexual assault and stuff like that, where it's like, well, I would never, why was she out? Because, and it's, and it's not judgment so much as fear. People want to protect themselves. They want to believe that whatever they're doing is keeping themselves safe and keeping their kids safe, 100% secure. That's exactly And that there's no chance and no risk. And so they have to say, well, I, I mean, I'm not on meth. Yeah. And I'm not an abusive asshole. So I, I'm not going to accidentally leave my kid in the car. P.S. It's like stressed out people who are really conscientious. Yeah,
0: exactly. Who right. end up doing it. Yeah, because your mind is processing a million different things and you have... Part of your part of your mind and body know how to go on autopilot, yes. Where If you're making the same trip, you always take, or blah blah mm-hmm. blah. And we all do, I mean, I but and and I wonder if maybe that's the kind of empathy button that you and I um attach to, and we can call it hippy dippy shit for all we for all we care, but at the same time, I do feel like I'm always more inclined to be like, well, I can kind of see where they're coming, like, I will I will take the leap, even if it's. Something that is so far from what I could really understand, but I try to get there and it's not even conscious like it's not like I'm like, I don't know as much as I want to think this I kind of think the other instead I think my brain sort of goes well. How many times have I put the dog out because he needs to go out? Because he's my dog, thought is a very positive communicator when it comes to like needing to go to the bathroom. He makes it very clear. He like bounds over, stands there anxiously with his tail wagging. You get up, he races to the door. He's at the door before you are. You open the door, you let him out. But if you're in the middle of doing something else, if I let him out, he wants to be out there for a little while. So he'll go out. I'll go back to whatever I was doing and I, it will have be as if I never let him out. Right. Like I have, I'll hear him. And this, by the way, if anyone thinks that this makes me a bad dog owner, we're going to (laughs) have words because I ain't (laughs) clearly not. And I understand that it's not his life in danger. I understand that those are different things for anyone who wants to say, well, that Janet is not the same as leaving a kid in the car. I will say to you, but it is
1: right I mean it's like why they put the
0: date on the birth control pills because you take pills
1: and then you're like did I take my pill Yeah,
0: like you don't remember our brains we're just so hyper stimulated in, in the world of today that the person with the best intention in the world gets out of their car I mean it just it clearly happens do I feel like it would happen to me of course I don't but that's part of what the problem is. But it is one of those things that's great about knowing that it's
1: common is I think yeah. it's like um, ever since I heard about Kitty Genovese and now this has all been kind of like debunked or whatever but now I always call 911. Whenever I see somebody in danger I'm, I don't assume right. that that's already happened because I understand and the phenomenon. Kitty Genovese
0: is that is that the New York? Yeah, yeah she was like stabbed a lot. Everyone assumed that someone, someone else, else had, had called the police. That's, yeah. that's
1: sort of the lesson that we've taken in, yeah. in collective psychology about like uh, diffusion of responsibility. Apparently it was a much more nuanced situation but like right. Um, knowing about diffusion of responsibility and like taking CPR classes where it's like you have to say, you, call 911. You can't just go call
0: 911
1: in a big crowd because no one's
0: like, well, I didn't want, I was sure that that, (laughs) I would jam up the, I just
1: wanted to, you know. Right. So like, I feel like that, knowing how common it is and having like some humility, knowing how common it is to leave a kid in the car, you just check more. Yeah, You just are more aware because if you're like, oh, it never happened to me. That's guess right. what? That's called hubris. That's and right. you're going to pay you. the ultimate 100%. price. 100%.
0: You know, look at, I love that. We're just like, and listen up everybody. <laughs> I'm a better person than you because I know I'm capable of murder. <laughs> Which I much. have thought to myself. I absolutely. absolutely have. I've been like, I'm pretty sure I'm capable of murder. Sure. I don't, I'm hoping that knowing that will like somehow keep me from doing it. But like murder or manslaughter, like a crime of maybe, passion, maybe. a
1: crime of passion. Yeah. Okay. Am I capable so you're not going like, to like premeditate uh, Yeah, you're stuff. right. You're
0: right. By the way, all of the things I've ever said on my podcast would be used against me so quickly in a court of law. Yeah, like you're seeing your I've own true crime and story. Un- <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing that happens. The thing that happens too is that you're like, oh my God, we're all monsters. Like everything I've said and done could be misinterpreted and I could be called crazy and be locked up or killed. Well, that's why, like, when I say, like, I don't really believe in the criminal, like, I don't
1: believe in prison for punishment. People are like, what? But, like, what about why we do that? And, like, I don't not kill people because I'm afraid of jail. Mm -hmm. You know, like, there's a lot of things that are, you know, in our society that are not fair. Like, nothing is fair for one second. So, like, you know, a lot of what we do to punish people and, like, send people away and it's all stuff that we've done. Right. As individuals, and it's all stuff that's common in other parts of society. I mean, I thought the debate, like, I think part of the reason I was so afraid to watch the last presidential debate is because I, I feel like there we're teetering on the edge of some kind of like hypocrisy breaking point. Yeah. And it's very socially uncomfortable. Yeah, it's very, very uncomfortable.
0: You know, I try to, I try whenever I get really uncomfortable, I try to go to the place of like, <laughs> but isn't this fascinating? <laughs> Where like, isn't it fascinating historically we really speaking? In
1: the <laughs> Look at the context of human society. and Oh, my God. We're just like whispers in the wind. We're all just gen- gentle sparkles. Oh no, yes. But yeah, I mean, it is this thing where like, you know, people are like Donald Trump said all this stuff. Who's surprised? Not me. No, but apparently a bunch of
0: Republican women are. They're and- not surprised. They're just... I can't imagine that anyone's surprised. So I can't imagine that anyone's but, surprised. But this something is... something else. I mean, it, if it's... If for, for, if for many people... For many people on the Republican side, it seems like, oh, thank God we can now back out of this. Thank God. Right. We all knew this was coming, or we all knew this was possible, or we all kind of hoped that this would happen so we could withdraw our support. And then people who were never going to withdraw their support are like, he's just a, you know, heterosexual right just a healthy heterosexual <laughs> male
1: <laughs> but like God that's the thing him. is
0: um this
1: has precedent in our political history so like when i moved to texas when i was uh nine years old We're,
0: okay where did i you moved move from
1: brooklyn new york where i had lived and yeah, until i was yeah, nine had yeah. a thick brooklyn accent and had only gone to catholic school amazing moved to brothers plano. and sisters nope just me okay, great moved to plano texas with both parents. Um, my parents were divorced. I moved to Texas with my mom and her female partner. Okay. So my stepmom. Got it. North Texas, gay moms, 1990. Beautiful. Which
0: we're in North Texas. Plano. Texas. Okay. Plano. It's the got Dallas it, suburbs. It. Yep.
1: Yep. And when the first thing that happened when I got there was there was the governor's race happening, and this guy named Clayton Williams was running against Ann Richards, and he was blowing her out of the water. But then he said in some sort of interview, he said that if a woman is getting raped, she should just sit back and enjoy it, and he lost. And no one knew that that would happen, but the Republican women and the Christian women and all the women who were just like, no, I'm not, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. So, you know, it was a really interesting surprise because people thought that they were just fall in line. And these women were like, No, nope, hearing a man say that, hearing him say that is, is my breaking point. And I think the exact same thing is happening with Donald Trump. Yeah, you do. So that's optimistic yeah, no, I people aren't people yeah. like I know people who are like Sunday school teachers and like I don't, they can't I mean yeah. unless they like live in an energy sector like coal economy place where they can't like they're scared of like change right. and he's gu- guaranteeing that their industry will be bolstered, like I right. think other than that like yeah like people who are like
0: moral republicans can't yeah, especially women i've got to i mean I have to believe that's true, and I know that's something that was sort that did sort of there was Definitely like an increase in sort of female positive stuff that was going on, um, peripherally and directly, you know, connected to everything that happened. But I hope, I mean, I hope so. Listen, I hope so. Again, it's the it's the sort of being afraid of being a lobster in the boiling pot or the frog or whatever, where you sort of go. Well, I hadn't given. I certainly didn't think we would be where we are now. That's the kind of right. That's the place that that gives me pause. Is just remembering this time last year, being like, I'm so
1: sure Trump would be the candidate.
0: That is adorable. Yeah.
1: No. And my favorite is like Ted Cruz tweeted something like, "Oh well, you'll need to put this tape out now." It's like you could have had an intern listen to Howard Stern shows. Like right. a lot of this that's is right. not news. Yeah. It's not like a leaked video only. Like every time my mother watches the, uh, the six o'clock news, I don't watch like the TV news, no, you don't but either. every day is like a transcript of something he said on Howard Stern now. Right. Right. And I'm like, that's been public. Yeah. Like,
0: like yeah. I remember yeah. him on Howard Stern. Yeah. And I, and, and, and that sort of becomes like some, I was talking to someone about, um, Looking at pictures of people at support rallies and going, like, uh oh, it's not just a bunch of white males. <laughs> like, oh, there's a lot of diversity in gender here. I didn't see a lot of racial diversity, but certainly there are just all of these, you know, women who just look like nice moms who, you know, you sort of are of all shapes and sizes and ages where you go, oh, hold on, they're there wearing those t shirts. Um, and, the only thing I could come up with in the moment was like, maybe they feel like they're on his show now. Like, maybe these are people who loved the apprentice and loved him as a celebrity to the point now where they feel like they're a part of his story. Like, they're engaged in a way that... Is very different from the way we feel allowed to engage with politicians. Like with politicians, it's all about you either worship them or they're you know hero worship or they're crooks. Right. And there's not wow. a lot of in between. Yeah. Opposed to like, I can listen. I hate seeing Kim make those bad decisions. I mean, right. she deserves better. Right. I don't love her recent plastic surgery. Like, there's something yeah. about it that feels like they belong to us differently. Reality so I show wonder, stars. Yeah. And yeah. so I wonder if there's something about as absolutely over the top and cartoonish and preposterous of a person he is even in representing himself as a quote unquote real person if there's something about that that's like but we know Donald yeah we know him this is just him
1: yeah you know and I think that coming from New York City you grew up with him in the tabloids every day yeah. like you know on, like throughout the 80s throughout the 90s he's in the Daily News he's in the New York Post he's in the Inquirer I mean, he's just like this ubiquitous figure throughout my life. Yeah. I've known who
0: Donald Trump was. Like he you couldn't was escape like, him when he moved to Plano, huh? No,
1: yeah. <laughs> like, and then he went. <laughs> then he went national. You know, he <laughs> spread across the country. He blew yeah. up his whole like you know yeah. New York centric thing. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think that you're onto something there. I think that's a really great observation, and I also oh. think that people. I I mean, frankly, like I think that xenophobia and racism like don't really know a gender. And I, I come from a part of New York City that's actually Trump country, like South Brooklyn, where yeah. I, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And the people, like there's a lot of Muslims in the neighborhood and people are very ignorant and very terrified mm-hmm. and very angry and entitled. Mm-hmm. They're just like, what is this? You know, and like it's men and women alike you know, and it's, it's, I see a lot of those women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And that Trump rallies as well. well.
0: And now so speaking to the sort of primary women in your life, when we talk about our empathy, or we talk about our political views, you know, obviously, some people end up going to the sort of polar opposite side of what their parents if their parents kind of passionately advocate for something, some people end up being The Alex P. Keaton, which is like a a term that many of you who are younger absolutely probably don't even understand or care about. Other than that, you've heard other people older than you say it. Right. But um, but to have that kind of like this is my response or like a Chaz Bono or, you know, you sort of have these kids who, um, for whatever reason, uh, head to the opposite side of the think camp. I'm not sure that <laughs> before they turn into pumpkins. Um, but uh, but that's but so my assumption would be hearing that you were that you had a stepmom and a mom would be that you more espouse kind of what their lifestyle and what their uh, approach to dealing with other people and all that kind of stuff would be. Is that correct? Well, it's
1: funny you say that Jen. <laughs> because there's nobody that Donald Trump reminds me more of than my father yeah he sounds like my father he talks like my father he makes excuses like my father like my father's the kind of person who would just be like uh no what why are you mad like i didn't do nothing and plus it was
0: you who did why it you and keep shut hitting up yourself why you keep hitting yourself yeah why you hitting yourself? yeah
1: but like donald trump leveled like when donald trump during the debate was like oh so it's three against one now and then he turned around i was like oh that's my dad so you know my dad is sort of a belligerent and like you know he he he's he's got a lot of issues and he's always struggled with a lot of problems and I have a lot of empathy for him but I'm also a human being uh with limits so so you know it's like you are I'm sorry that this is hard for you kind of thing but like it's I can't really interact with him so this election has been really hard for me Mm -hmm. to watch because this guy is like I know him intimately yeah and then my mom uh, you know, my mom and her partner were both like from New York city and both raised Catholic and like decided to get together, but didn't really come out of the closet and didn't really tell anybody and just kind of moved away to Texas mm. and didn't why really Texas? think about exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like, I'm still trying to answer That's that question. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> even today.
1: I'm going to, yeah, I My therapist and I are going to uh. be talking about why Texas <laughs> for a very long time, but, um, because my mother, my mother's partner got transferred there by her work. And so she was looking to transfer. She was like, I want to get out of New York City and live an interesting, different life. And
0: so my mom uh, was decided to go to law school and she decided to go with her. So and was that a conversation since you were nine? You're not four, but you're also not 15. So is that a weird age to kind of be like partially involved in the decision, but not really? They didn't tell me until I was 14. I lived in a house with them and they were in a relationship and they just kept it from me. I mean, as far as, and then as far as actually going with them, did anyone say like, do you want to come with us? Or was it like, you're coming with us? It was like, you're coming with us because it was also like, you know, my mom thought, oh, my mom and her friend are going to be roomies together. Yes. Did you have, even though they didn't tell you until 14, did you have a sense of anything or? Probably starting when I was like 12. Yeah i wrote an article
1: about this for the advocate it's like it was a slow burn like you know when you start to get to a certain age in adolescence you notice stig- signifiers yeah and my mom and and my mom's partner listened to katie lang like all the time perfect and i was like it she was like have a velvety voice starting guys. to come together you know it's like all these little things that i remember being like hmm yeah. and now
0: it's like you know they were they played softball like yeah. there were so many things oh, that are nice. now just, it just like reminds me of all my the, my cousin julian who's trans um I I think I was around the same age when I started to call like no one bothered to tell me right um and I don't even know how out he was who was a she at the time but um yeah all of like the sort of like oh the one bed with his roommate you're like oh got it got yeah. it but it's funny how, because particularly when you're a younger person, like you're, even though your norm might be completely different than someone else's norm, there's still something so normal about it that it's really hard as a kid to sort of step away from that and really understand what's going on.
1: Well, especially because I was living in a place that was like so homophobic mm-hmm. and like... Like, North Texas, I mean, it still remains, like, a really difficult place, I think, for gay people. But
0: to keep it from you, I mean, under the same roof. Like, did you never get to see them, like, hold hands or be affectionate?
1: Not not ever, really. That is rough. Not ever, really. And, like, you know, once I was older and they were, you know, it had been years since I knew the truth and we were all kind of living our out lives. Because I'm also queer mm-hmm. and i came out when i was like as bisexual when i was in college and i had all these girlfriends and then i came out to my grandmother who my mother hadn't come out to oh wow so yeah. there was like a whole big thing but um i think i think that that is sort of the sad thing i mean the really sad thing for me is just like if it had been 10 years later it would have been completely different mm-hmm. you know like if it had been the 1980 instead of 1990 who knows but if it had been 2000 instead of 1990 it would have been completely mm-hmm. different yeah and that's just that's just sad to me yeah you know i mean we this was before ellen came out before will and grace was on tv like it was before so many things yeah that is we your now book, take by for- the way
0: set in that
1: time or is it is your book set in today my book is set both in today and with flashbacks into the 90s so it's a lot of the like the high school parts are definitely the mid 90s yeah. to
0: late 90s so um yeah it's like so it's fiction but it's heavily influenced by experiences you had
1: sort of yeah i mean the the it's the character like she kind of looks like me and she's also bisexual but other than that she has nothing in common with me like um the the rich well of things like festival concerts and pride parades and things that I've experienced in my life
0: I definitely draw on and yeah. like make so fictional. the sort of context and the worlds that you can create around the characters feel yeah familiar to you yeah
1: and the experiences but but like for the like their storyline their backstory and their um the substance of the, the the plot and the narrative is completely made up
0: when you were thinking about doing this um and I as as a fiction writer but not some somebody as an adult who thinks in terms of writing a novel or things, which I have tremendous respect for, did you, was the process for you like, I would like to write a book that is set in a world that I understand, but I don't want it to be about me. Or did you ever think like, I wonder if I'll write a memoir and then feel like you wanted it to be, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's a kind of a meta question, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested because I like all forms of writing. I love autobiographical memoirs, partially real, partially fiction, totally and entirely Harry Potter world fiction. You know, there's so many different nuances and levels you can go with, with being a writer. So I'm just curious about that. Well, for me, I, um, I've thought about, I've tried to do like a lot
1: of personal essays and memoir stuff, but a lot of what I, like I was looking through pictures from high school and I had like so much fun and I had great friends and I am still friends with a lot of my high school friends and my childhood had a lot of highlights, but like, there was also like a lot of, really, really hard stuff. Like my parents, my my mother and my father, like did not have a good relationship. And that's where I was like, you know, formed, was in the house with them. And there was just a lot going on. And like, I had a lot of struggle. So I feel like, um... All of that was too much to take on. And I've thought about writing a memoir, but I I feel like I need more distance Mm. from my youth before Mm -hmm. I can do that because there was a lot of different things that Mm. I think would be maybe the central focus of someone like, oh, and then my mom came out to me when I was 14 or like, oh, and then, you know, my father had these struggles with mental illness and like whatever. And um, all of those are like, I just feel like it would have been one of
0: those like, Car crash of a youth, twenty something memoirs, right. you know, and I would yeah. have been or like, like my version. My my complaint about a, a play like a, a musical like Spring Awakening, where I'm like, ugh, abortion and Nazis and homosexuality and suicide, like, exactly, and drug use, like it's too much. Exactly, exactly, exactly,
1: and that's I think that's kind of why we like true stories, is because we can see all of those things and find it plausible. Yeah, but when a fiction person, a fictional creator like, puts oh, that, that together, you're like to one person. Um, on the nose Um, (laughs) but yeah this i wanted to i i just kind of got sick of the fact that i didn't see any sort of bisexual women
0: characters that were like not written by straight men yeah i I had this conversation with i can't believe i can't remember who it was i don't know if it was janine or cameron i mean it was something where we were kind of dipping a toe more into lgbt plus stuff but um, I've certainly made the complaint that I feel like every bisexual character is like a psychopath or like a sociopath manipulator I guess psychopath and sociopath are technically the same somehow in our somehow in my mind it's been separated into like a psychopath is a killer and a sociopath is just someone who manipulates people to get what they want yeah I don't think that's accurate like medically I think that's right not true right but, but in my mind it's like okay this you know the sort of social manipulation because you have no empathy um, that's versus sociopath. I want to see what happens when I cut a person open right um but uh but, but yeah. this idea that it's like oh you can't like they're like even the sort of intra quote-unquote interesting characters who are bisexual are still these kind of villains on some level where or it's like, like this person's dangerous because they like both <laughs> watch out everybody right or they're like nymphos you know yeah. and they're yeah. like they insatiable. Can't, they can't stop it they can't stop themselves they have to fuck everyone And I also, I also like, as we're
1: talking about fucking everyone, I also wanted to write about um, a woman who was not like a size two, but also had sex. Yeah. So like this character is like, she's as she's growing up and as she's in high school and college, she's like, you know, a plus size woman. (laughs) and she has sex and that is normal and most of us do that's right and most of us are
0: and most of us do yeah and
1: American. and th- that is like this thing where in hollywood or in in a lot of stories it's like either somebody who's so ashamed of their body that they can't bring themselves to have sex and they need some like magical boy who's gonna like be like but you're beautiful and then they're like finally i'll show you my boobs uh-huh. and then uh, or it's like somebody who is um just like has to lose a bunch of weight before she can get self esteem, or just somebody who's like magically sexless. Right. Like a wise guide. Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> wise crone like guide absolutely. to high school. Yeah. You
0: know? <laughs> and so I just
1: was like, I, I wanted to see this character who was like sexually interested and active and like engaged, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Without, like, she has her body issues, but they're not around sex.
0: Yeah. I I feel like most of my girlfriends fall into that category when I think about, like, my high school years and even college. Not even, but, like, yeah. Like, people, the, the women that I was around... That just sounds like all of us. Well, and I mean here in L.A., like I don't
1: think most women who are worried about their appearance or their size are worried about what men think. Yeah, they're worried about oh, getting yeah, hired. No.
0: That's where you feel the most comfortable, I think. Totally. Like, oh, my real life, where I where I'm not judged for how thin I am. Exactly. Yeah. And like you know, it's it's it, people are like, and it's
1: other women who do it to you. It's like I think it's like, especially in this town, it's like the gaze of the industry where everybody's trying to com like compete with one another to judge other people on camera yeah you know yeah and um God, that's
0: so heartbreaking they
1: enable each other yeah you know they're like i i think you're beautiful but like i have to keep up with the standards of yeah. not putting you on tv it's like yeah. come on somebody take a risk yeah and yeah. some people are you know and yeah. it's not even a risk it's like we're doing this so yeah. i mean i think that that's sort of what i wanted to see as a as a person i've been doing stand-up for 14 years and i was like wanting to write scripts and i was doing stuff like that but i i was like you know, I don't have... I can't make a movie by myself. I'm not, like, skilled in that arena. Like, so I was like, I want to create something that's done. Like, that's a full package picture. Yeah. And you can be like, this is the story yes, of this yeah. sexually active plus size woman. Yeah. And she has an arc. And she there's interesting characters. This would be a
0: fun TV show. Right. Just something like... These stories are possible. And no matter what, it exists. Like you said, it's not you're not waiting for someone else to say, okay, I'll let you write chapter two. Exactly. And that was especially as somebody who is like doing all like the stand-up
1: auditioning stuff everything else in my career just really felt like it was up to somebody else Mm -hmm. and couldn't understand more. (laughs) Right. And so, I mean, it was just very liberating to be like, this whole story is up to me. And then I had to hustle to sell it. Mm -hmm. But like that part was easier. And also (laughs) like I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, like right before the book was going to come out, I was like so nervous. And my husband was like, why are you nervous? I was like, I realized it was because of entertainment. I was afraid they were just not going to do it. I was afraid it just wasn't going to happen. I'm going (laughs) to get a call at the 11th hour
0: telling me they've changed their mind. They're pulling all the copies. They're burning them in a giant pile. I don't know.
1: Exactly. And I was like projecting that onto the publishing industry where they're very polite and like, (laughs) you know, you sign a contract Uh, and they honor the crap out of it. Like it's, you know, so I, so funny it it was, you know, and I'm sure for other writers of books, like they're like, Oh, it's the most stressful thing. But like compared to like the rejection and the humiliation of like, Oh, I already told my whole family I'm going to be on this TV show. And they pulled me from it. Yeah. That happened to me like the year before it happened to me in 2014. Mm. So, like, I was supposed to be on an episode of a TV show. They told me to look out for it, and I just wasn't on it. Yeah. Yep.
0: So, yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole, that's a whole learning curve that happens, yeah, when you're sort of. exactly. But, like, even so, there's still time. I mean, there's always a surprise. There's, like, every time you think. But I always say that when, that's, like, a very common, because it's very true. I mean, it's not, like, a soundbite that I use, because I think it sounds humble. I, a hundred percent couldn't get over the idea that I had this voiceover job that I had because it was too good to be true. And it felt like at any moment, someone was going to fire me up to and including like within the first season that it was already on. I was like, I can still get fired. I'll still wow. be replaced by some. Like it just, qu- I was so, I was so conditioned to just think, you know, this can't possibly work out because it, it it's too much what I would have hoped and dreamed. And, um, that it's just very real. Yeah. And that, even if it doesn't happen to you, you know, someone had happened to. So exactly. there's a, there's a culture of fear of, well, I know that would crush my soul. So I guess I'll just prepare myself for that since it happened to six people I know. Right. And that's that's why we do it is because we have to protect ourselves. Yeah, we think we're doing ourselves a favor. I have to like, I have those conversations. I said this on the podcast before where I like tell my brain, I try to separate myself from my brain and go, okay, brain, I understand uh, that at three in the morning, you think it's important for me to be worrying about all of these things. Right. Um, I need to go ahead and let you know that I'm not going to be able to solve them now. And if you don't let me sleep, we're not going to get this thing solved tomorrow at all. Right. You know, just yeah. to kind of try to it's so hard talk to to to, to reason with
1: yourself yeah it's so hard because um i actually i keep talking about my therapist
0: during this (laughs) and i'm like no uh, usually
1: kidding but not i'm not kidding at all i talk to my therapist
0: therapy is very important but she's like for many people
1: I feel like I she 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 finally divined from working with me for a while. She's like, you want to be emotionally prepared for f- anything that can fucking happen to you. You want to be completely exhausting. ready for How like exhausting. your husband to burst into flames right. and like, you know, your whole family to abandon you. And like, you want to be like, and then I'll just get up and keep on That's strutting right. and walking. And I think part <laughs> Gloria of Gloria is... Gaynor will start playing on the radio.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. And like, I think part of that is just being in the biz um, and like dealing with disappointment and dealing with having to like... Um, be in relation to people who've like screwed you over or like done something that like you have to pretend they didn't do to you, like in order to like continue to yeah. function. And so it's um it's really it's really an uncomfortable context where we actually do have to be kind of like nothing can affect me. Mm-hmm. But then in our personal lives we can't have the same expectation. But guess what
0: happens too is sometimes um then I then you sort of have the opposite happen where someone's like, oh my God, this is great. And it is officially great. Totally. And they can't take it away from you. Like, it already aired. You were great on that thing. You were on every season like, of the show. Thank you. I feel nothing. No, because I know. Because that, that's the risk, right? Is that you're like, oh, now I can't feel anything. I can't feel, I've created this padding inside myself that I no longer can celebrate my successes because I'm so busy not you know, not being eaten alive by my my failures. And so, I'm trying to, swing back around because i think a few years ago i was sort of in this place where i was like yeah i don't feel anything one way or the other anymore because i'm i I must have just conditioned myself not to and that's not true to who i am like i've always been super erratic i've always been you know guys and of green gables alert I've always been Anne of Green Gables. I've always been like I would rather soar in the high, into the highest reaches, and then just like be shattered and plumb the depths of my sorrow, and then pick myself back up again. And I think that's that's as getting older, you sort of go, okay, well, what, how much of me was in response to my environment? How much of me is in my core, and I can't ignore it, and I have to be that person? And how much of me is maturing? maybe pass both of those things into a new version of myself that I welcome, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm going through the same thing because I was
1: like, I was sick to my stomach the night before my novel came out. I w- and I've never been like, and I was on, I was on last comic standing, which is a reality show. So they had footage of me backstage saying who knows what. Right. right. So I was, I was ready for that to air and I was like, whatever. And then, um, and then the night before my book came out, I, I was very ill and nothing was going to happen. Like I was just going to have a book on a shelf and you could buy it from Amazon and get it the next day. <laughs> and like That's the big change. Yeah. And I realized I was so convinced it wasn't going to happen that I thought I was going to die. <sighs> I thought I was going to die before the book came out because it was something I wanted so bad. Oh, and then when it heart. came out, I was very like... I went into this new phase of life. Like it was just this transition, like more than like graduating college or getting married, all these things are kind of artificial. Mm -hmm. But like the day my book came out, I was like, Oh, this is my real life. I'm not waiting for my life to start like this has been my life the whole time and I have to like stop suffering in like I feel like I was just sort of like trucking towards the time when I could feel like I was really like just head down power through you know like I was gonna make it whatever the pain or the suffering that and, and now it's like no like you just do life day to day and there will be like to me I get that sort of Anne of Green Gables or Miss Marianne from Sense and Sensibility like soaring highs and devastated like it's all from the creative process Mm -hmm. you know and if you can like attach yourself to the creative process more than like the outcome which is like whether you get the part or whether they buy your TV show or whether like that is so healthy I think Mm -hmm. especially because it honors our sensitive
0: erratic spirit. You know the artistic part that uh, everybody has. It just depends on whatever, you know, however much you wanna like let that like nourish it or, you know, deny it, I think. Is, yeah. is up to each person mm-hmm. by far way beyond this being in this business. But, you know, we yeah. have this sort of weird microcosmic blown up version of things that, you know, well, everyone who listens to this podcast has. Right. And with stand up, like you, it's either high highs or low lows, like either you bomb. But if
1: you get to the point where like the bombing doesn't hurt, guess what? The crushing doesn't feel like a drug high also. Right. It's like a trade off. Yeah, exactly. But there is this other thing where you get to have, which is like, Oh, these people like this really weird bit that I wrote. Mm-hmm. I like made them, like I made it, I made this bit accessible enough even though it's so weird mm-hmm. that this audience can mm-hmm. get it, get Absolutely. into it. And then that's the satisfaction.
0: Absolutely. You know, and it's much more sort of like about the creative process. Absolutely. I think that's I think that's a, a perfectly great point. What what were you like when you were in high school? Um I this we could talk for 5 hours. I can't believe that at 46 <laughs> minutes I'm asking you about your high school years cuz I got to get into this mash game fast. But, um, but uh, I mean, I feel like I have a pretty strong uh, sense of you anyway. Let me just knock some stuff off the thing. Oh, no, it's cool. Um, it's this, I don't know what that is. Let me, no, you know what it is? It's, uh, it's little, like, hand wipes oh, okay. Um, that live right here because uh, I eat in front of the television. And after I'm done, there's crumbs and mustard everywhere. I love mustard. <laughs> I, I also qu- love mustard. I need mustard. a quick cleanup. I need a quick cleanup. That's good. Or if I'm, like, changing a baby's diaper. No, that's not anything I've ever done in this house. Uh, so, so what? When with you know you moved when you were nine. So by the time you were fourteen, coincidentally when your mom came out to you, uh, you had certainly established yourself for a few years as being <laughs> like it or not a Texan, right? Um, what was your high school like?
1: I went to a really large suburban high school, um, and in the part of Texas I lived in. There was nine ten schools and then eleven twelve schools. And the eleven twelve schools were huge because they wanted to have the largest catchment area for the varsity football Perfect. team. So, you know, it was it was very much like about that mythos. The weird thing that was funny was like our football team was fine, but our soccer team was amazing because we were this rich suburb. Oh, yeah. So like yeah. we would have all these traditional Texas like pep rallies for the for the football team, but like our girls' soccer team like won state and oh, no one great. paid any attention. That's so But funny. it was um it was the way that I sort of framed my life, I think from especially like 11th and 12th grade was like, I am going to do a grueling and a uh, horrible academic program that's going to eat my life and make me very ill. Like I was, I was very stressed. I had a lot of, Panic attacks, I was on medication, I had a therapist, having a secret is really bad for a kid. And then, and then I was also trying to get out of Texas. So I was like, doing the international baccalaureate program at my high school. So I had to take six exams a year and, and um, or six exams total but like between also the AP so I was taking six and seven high stakes tests a year and like oh God. it was awful and um, I did I, I went to college in Massachusetts and it was very nice to uh, have that goal achieved but I, I paid a terrible price oh yeah in like my well-being like yeah. honestly I mean and I also had friends and I also had friends that weren't in the program and I had boyfriends and I was like you know I smoked pot and like all that stuff and had sex and like none of my peers in my academic program really did that. Maybe a few. So but you were trying to be all the people. I,
0: I, I had just, to be myself. Not just one or two. You
1: I know? had to be myself and be with my people, even as I was like also very identified with like being smart, mm-hmm. quote unquote. So I needed to like do the most. I needed to take BC calculus, even though that was not my strength. Yeah. And I I mean, I could, I could handle it, but I was having so many psychological problems that I wasn't really able to like do all the like concentrating that i needed to do at my seven forty five sure. in the morning bc calculus class sure that just sounds miserable. it was i was a real i was a ball of stress all the time and um once i left and i think second semester senior year i started to chill out a little bit and once i got to college i was like this is paradise because i only to be in class like four hours a week yeah, or something yeah. so um it was really high school was very intense for me um but i
0: remember where and when the sort of realization that you could affect that much change in your life both in a positive and negative way by putting all of that stuff on your own plate like was that something that you felt and because the way you say it it sounds like no one told you to do that right you were just like hold on if i want to get out of here and that it just becomes this almost compulsive, like, well, well, if I can get out of here this way, then I can even get out of here even more. I can get out even more by doing this. And I can get out even better than by doing this. Was it this sort of, like, snowball effect where once you started taking stuff on, you were just like, ah, oh, that's it. I'm taking it all on. Kind of. I mean, I think it was more like from a very
1: young age, I was tested and tracked at, like, the high level And that became a source of a lot of identity for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I wasn't like pretty and I wasn't an athlete, but I was smart and I just wanted to be smart. And like, as I continued to go to school with like these kids who were like, you know, I had a job. I had to go to work (laughs) in order to pay for my car gas, you know, like, and my peers in my academic program, their parents were very focused on academics. And so like they didn't have to do anything except school. And like, I needed to keep up with those kids. That was part of my identity. Like I just really needed whatever the hardest thing was. I had to be doing it. And my mother was like often encouraging me to quit or to pull back because I was a mess. And I was like, no, I can't not be doing the hardest thing because that's then who am I? Mm. And, um, I didn't realize that. And then when I got to college, I really, um, i didn't want i wanted every i didn't want people to see me as smart at college i wanted us all to be smart together and Mm -hmm. like it was when people were like oh you're smart i was like oh no Uh i am supposed to be here in smart town (laughs) 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 we're all smart right (laughs) so i wanted to i didn't want to have that identity anymore yeah but um but that's that's why i did what i did and even with like my parents encouraging me to quit you know, because I I just, I needed to be the smart kid. How did you process your mom coming out to you? It took a really long time. Like at first I was very much in denial. I ended up telling a couple of my friends. Um, I was really scared because I knew I liked girls and I was like, oh, it's genetic because that's what we all believed at the time. And I was like, well, okay, I'm fucked. Like, (laughs) And because being gay was seriously like the worst thing you could be. It was like a pathetic, it was like, it was like saying you were going to grow up to be like, a heroin addict Mm. you know like for sure you're like on this like derelict path Mm -hmm. essentially and so i was even though i could see that my parents weren't like that um i was very anxious i just wanted to be normal you know i wanted to have an easier life than that and so i was really frightened by it but then um after i got a boyfriend and i was like i really like him i was chill Yeah. And then I figured out I was bi and I was like, Oh, that's cool. Cause I can pass, you know, Mm -hmm. I never have to kiss a girl. Of Mm -hmm. course that. And then I went to college. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) but the, but like the, the sort of like feeling of processing it didn't really happen until I was talking to my therapist when I was 16. And then I told her and I had kept it from my therapist. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell my therapist for like, eight months That's and I was very, going yeah. I was seeing her for like panic attacks because I was like having multiple panic attacks a day. yeah secrets are bad for
0: kids yeah
1: you know and yeah. um when I finally told her it was like a breakthrough and she called it that she was like this is called a breakthrough and um I felt a lot better and I was able to kind of deal with it and I was able to pretty much deal ultimately with the fact that the problem was bigotry you know it wasn't my mother
0: yeah
1: it was it was oppression and then I will tell you like I'm getting choked up because when they made the Defense of Marriage Act illegal, Justice Kennedy wrote the decision and he said it reduces the children of gay people to second class mm. citizens, and I was like, Oh my God, my that's civil so rights bad. were being violated, yes. that's why I was so upset yes, all the time
0: absolutely and
1: i really I really internalized that from like the words that he put in the decision about the kids, and I was like, you know, like this feels like I finally finished processing that yeah. when I read that decision because yeah. it was so
0: validating. Yes. Because I was so
1: scared, yeah. you know, and I was so, I couldn't tell my teachers. I was afraid people were going to take me away. Yeah. And I was not illegitimately afraid of that. Yeah. I was legitimately afraid of that.
0: Well, that's the ultimate irony, right? Uh, is this, is the idea that, you know, the the sort of sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of family and the, and how, how incredibly important our children are and how we must cherish them is coming from, The voice of people who are saying, You being gay hurts your children. It's like, No, 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 you're hurting our children. You're just gay. Yeah. And like a patriarchal
1: nuclear family is a really dangerous place for all kinds of people. That's right. Children, women. <laughs> like you yeah. know? like yeah. I, I'm thinking more and more about how like we live in these little pod families that are like, that's really unhealthy for a society. Like you look at places like Denmark where they live in like communal houses and they mm-hmm. all have dinner together and there's much, many different families. There's some level of accountability.
0: Absolutely. And then that, that sort of plays into the whole idea of like the way man uh, mental illness manifests itself in different countries, like where you have these more community oriented, like it's less about the self, 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 and it's more about the sort of plural self Sure, where schizophrenia is not the issue that it is in America because that societally the pressure to be isolated and to be you, no one's, you know, no one's as broken as I am and no one's as successful as I am or I have to be this or I have to be that. Um, it's just not it's not predicated on the same stuff that if you're living in a community a community where people believe in shamanism certainly helps but I mean in terms of like the way even if you're looking at it from a westernized perspective if you aren't if you don't have the same problems with class and gender and, and sort of society and pressure and the individual, the which individual's is so beautiful huge. on some levels. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we can't pretend like it doesn't come at a price.
1: Absolutely. That's absolutely right. Because like, To me, not being schizophrenic might be just being more able to trust other people's reality. Yeah. So if you're like, I can see things and other people are like, I don't see those things. You, if you don't have such a strong sense of an individual self, Mm -hmm. you like kind of have a democratic view of reality. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, most people don't see that. So it's not there. Right. Or like I, or like most people don't see it. So it's not relevant. Mm hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I think for for us as individuals, we doubled down mm. because we're so individuated in America. We're like, mm-hmm. no, I see it. I see it. You have to believe me. And mm-hmm. then we're paranoid, you know, we're like aggressive and
0: it feeds that spiral. Absolutely. God, this has really been some deep shit, my friend. <laughs> um, all right, listen, I gotta get into this, uh, for, uh, in part to get you out where you need to be, and so I can get on a call that I n- don't want to get on. Um, okay, so, uh, I'm going into this mash game. Um, I, uh, I'll lean a little bit on some stuff that we've talked about, and then I'll just bring in some, uh, perennial classics. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, uh, one from, a, a listener who I shout out in, in the beginning of this episode, in my intro, um, who who uh had the sort of um I think we've done kind of a version of this but I I, I I'm very happy to bring it back in for for the way she expressed it, which is this like kind of being John Malkovich idea where you get to live inside the like sort of look out through the eyeballs of three different people it can be someone living or dead. Um, and and just it's sort of a day in the life where you get to kind of you're not necessarily the one impacting the choices. So it's not like, like you're controlling Obama's body for a day. <laughs> it's more just you're a passenger, you know, you're sort of looking out the same sure. way the same way they did before they figured out a puppeteer john malkovich so okay but do i get to have their ideas like i think you're i think you're experiencing the ideas but i don't think you're you they don't feel like the inception is from you right sort of like you get to experience you're in the electricity of that person's brain and body and soul oh i dig that but as a passenger so joseph campbell
1: nice yeah for sure um how about Rumi? Great. Seems like Rumi was on a pretty good trip. That's wonderful. Um, <laughs> <These are great. laughs> and then I feel like I should pick a lady. Um, uh, who do I think has an
0: amazing perspective? Janelle Monet. Great. Okay, great. Uh, next one is. Three activities that you wish you'd had more time to fucking let yourself do when you were in high school. You sort of get, um, it's almost like a time-lapse, uh, you know, tesseract situation where it's not that you have to go back and relive that time, but it's sort of like in this alternate universe, there are these three things that you, your teenage self got time to actually experience. And it can be stuff that you wanted to do more or stuff you never did that you wish you could have done okay sleep is number one number one with a bullet um
1: yeah and then probably like i am very envious of friends who got to go like on camping and outdoor trips with their friends in high school because i never did that yeah um and then i in college i loved ultimate frisbee and a bunch of my friends played in high school and i wish i'd had that experience as well
0: i love it this is how the game is played all right great okay ultimate frizz um,
1: Dude, okay. what if I could have just gotten enough sleep and played frisbee and gone camping? I would have just been like a New England that teen instead good to of me. a Texas team. Yeah, exactly. Right now. Just like, you should have gone to high school in Oregon.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> you went to Lewis and Clark, right? Um, <laughs> wonderful. Okay, next one is three movies that you can go into as if the worlds themselves are real, which is to say, you're not living out the plot of the movie and you're not living as one of the characters, but you're hanging out in that world with all those people. Oh, my God. Or creatures, as the case maybe
1: oh my god oh my god
0: that's like <laughs> i just broke your brain yeah yeah
1: um uh that has to be movies it can't be tv shows no i'll do, t- you can do tv shows absolutely. okay the number one is fraggle rock right <laughs> for sure right. um i think maybe um we'll do star trek the next generation
0: right
1: and Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
0: I always forget that I should do TV shows in addition to TV
1: I just, I feel I'm like with, with respect to sci-fi, I'm much more ensconced in television well, than Well, yeah, movies. and
0: they create, that's a longer, bigger, more robust universe for you to, to know what you're getting when yeah. you dive in. Absolutely. Like, I know my way around Sunnydale. Absolutely. <laughs> like, it's great. Like, I know what to do. <laughs> I, I got to deal with Spike on a few different levels. Um, wonderful. Okay, next one is a perennial classic. Three foods. Um, sometimes I go into the substance realm, but I'm going to stick with foods because, frankly, that's what I prefer. Uh, that in this universe, uh, this alternate universe, are not only not bad for you, but they're like good for you. And these are foods that we none of us should be eating a whole lot of like on a regular basis. And... Uh, bring in this other aspect which is it can be this 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 one particular thing that you wish you could have all the time um but that for some reason like geographically you can't or you know right. your grandmother made it and she's passed on whatever right um, right so it can be general or very specific three okay so number one is the drunk fries from Surveyteca.
1: amazing which are what does that entail there's just a lot of deliciousness there's like a lot of cheese and sour cream and also meat and also guacamole and it's mm-hmm. french fries
0: mm-hmm. wonderful uh, yeah. so <laughs> it's, it's just, like nacho's cheese french fries, yeah,
1: but it 's like it 's like really greasy and ge- nice. really cheesy, yeah. um, um,
0: get ready because it 's like vitamins in this world, um, yeah,
1: <laughs> that sounds perfect, yeah. so like something involving like tuna and avocado okay. like they 're like there were these little trumpets that I used to have at this restaurant in Cambridge when I lived there that were just ice cream cones filled with uh, avocado cream and um, rare tuna. Oh, and like you can't eat that much rare tuna because it's bad for the that's planet. Right. So right. like it's bad for fish. So 100%. if I could eat a lot more of that, that would make me happy. That's great. And then, um, oh gosh, probably like something like mushroomy. Mm-hmm. What's a What's a mushroomy thing that I could eat more of? that is also bad for me or like really rare. What if it's something like, like super rare mushroom, like risotto, but like, oh, it's like, great. with, but it's like the kind of like, you have to like have access to the special spot yep. where you can gather these wild mushrooms. That's right. Yep. Um, which I don't normally have access to. That's great.
0: That's great. Rare mushroom risotto is my new favorite thing. Um, okay. Next category is all due respect to your spouse. This is an alternate universe where you can pick three people, um, Uh, and they can be fictional characters or they can be, you know, the only thing that's like less interesting to the listener probably would be like, you know, someone that you knew when you were five that we don't know who that is. Yeah. Let us play in your fantasy world. (laughs) So it can be, you know, it can be so-and-so. It can be Marianne from Sense and Sensibility or Eleanor. Uh, But it can also be, you know, Johnny Depp. I don't know. Is it people that I'm supposed to get with? Yeah, you're gonna get with them? it can be like a long-term like alternate universe marriage or it can be like i just want to have sex with this person for a few nights and then goodbye okay i feel like i should have been prepared for this question
1: i am i am um by the way open relationship so he does not feel disrespected wonderful um and uh if any of these people are listening hit me up um i wish i had like a google
0: number that they could call to connect with you you're on limits
1: um <laughs> so i feel i feel like who have i been like super crushing on lately can we say luke cage great sure we'll start with luke cage um and then um i have always had a crush on clea duval mm-hmm. well listen she's wonderful
0: yeah um if
1: you know her personally I i'm do. sorry
0: if that's weird <laughs> Why is it weird? I have crushes on friends of mine. Like, right. I can't, you know, I'm certainly not going to do one degree of separation weirdness. I totally get it. She's wonderful.
1: The irony is like, she's like, you know, in in. But I'm a Cheerleader, there's mm-hmm. the whole what's your root thing. And there's this moment that she has with Natasha Leone, and that moment is my root.
0: <laughs> like, uh, I get I'm it. Just, like, I get it.
1: Oh, I'm into girls. I um,
0: get it. I get it.
1: And then uh, probably like, we'll just go with the classic, um, the Disney animated Fox Robin Hood. Uh, amazing.
0: <laughs> God, no kidding.
1: Every, I mean, it's ubiquitous. I've, it's not even like a, a funny, ironic, surprising thing to say. Like, it's just something everybody in our generation... Don't worry, no
0: one's ever said that. But, but I but mean, I like, really to say it.
1: I have a crush on that yeah. fox, I've heard yeah. a lot of people say
0: that. I've never heard anyone say that. Really? And it's a total no-brainer to me, and it, it that definitely... Um, I haven't like delved into the sort of furry of it all um, (laughs) because that's still kind of a marginalized group that people either think are like ultimately the creepiest thing in the world or like super adorable but like limited in some way. Like, oh, that's cute. I kind of see it, but I don't really see it. But that would be a really interesting thing to kind of get into is the sort of stuff that like Disney animation that hits you in a weird place as a child. Because I definitely have made no. Uh, secret about the fact that like I have weird memories of the movie Fantasia and the Centuars that are you know part part person part horse like somewhere in my mind at the age I saw that and the fact that they were like shirtless and the women were shirtless but you couldn't see nipples like I have this sort of confused thing of like is that really sexy or is it just me but like if I were to see a person who was part horse part human I'd be like ah (laughs) I don't know that I would be excited to get it on. Centaurs are really floating around in there in like a weird place. Fantasia really fucked me up, I think, in a great way. Centaurs are really sexualized on Xena. I've never seen Zena. Um, it's Maybe, really, I've been, I've been they're hot, out. but like, yeah.
1: I think, I think the, um, the thing about the Robin Hood thing, it's like, it's a lot about how they draw body language and how they mm-hmm. create charm and mm-hmm. how they, how they animate like these animals to be I mean, humanoid. Very sexy, you know? And so, and he's also like, he gave me squishy feelings partly because I was like, do I want to hang out with him or do I want to be him? Yeah. You know? So there's like this allure of yeah. like this super charming, charismatic yeah. do-gooder. Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah, was also absolutely. super athletic and like yeah. really Hads like a little mischief. Yeah. And like could flirt and like, you know, and, and then also just the attention of that person and how that would feel or that
0: creature. (laughs) There's also something like, there's also something in the, in a very Peter Pan way, something that's like, like genderless about when you, when you, when you, when you project it onto an animal, there's almost like a, like a weird, like, Oh, I, I went two further steps to be comfortable with asexuality or with genderless sort of androgyny. Whereas like you would almost think that would be weirder because it's an animal, but actually the animal was the, the reason that it was safe. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Great. 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 Okay. Listen, I love Robin Hood, uh, Fox Robin Hood. Um, next category is three places in the world. That would be great to have a vacation home. If, uh, getting there were not an obstacle. Okay. Big Sur. Great. Um, and then probably
1: like some like waterfall cove in Hawaii. Great. um, And then I'm just gonna go with uh, Something wintry Like okay um, How about like
0: Banff Or like you know I love it because it's one of those words that you're like I guess I am pronouncing this right Bam. (laughs) There's just a silent P, I think. I think. Uh, It ends in six consonants, right? That's right. That's That's what happens. You're safe. Um, Okay, next category is uh, three. Let's do three um, musicians or bands uh, that um, sometimes I do that that you can sort of just hang out with them and they'll play whatever you want. But I I like the sort of um, cinematic uh, side, which is more that you have three composers singer songwriters bands doesn't matter to me music of some kind that composes your soundtrack so like after you leave here and you're driving in your car there's music you've never heard before that is coming from the mind of one of these three Does wow that make sense? yeah Okay. for sure Hit okay me. uh liz fair
1: great um brandy carlisle And um, how about the Reunited and
0: Resurrected Tribe Called Quest? Great. Um, Okay. And then final category is... Let's do three... Well, let's do the sort of three... Well, no, we already did the like scene. Okay. This is the part where I always get too hard on myself about the final one. Um, Let's do i'm really taking my time with this aaron because you're a smart you're very smart no don't say i'm smart we're all smart oh no i live in la now (laughs) i'm Uh, I'm down to be smart again let's do the three (laughs) let's do the three skills that you have you wake up tomorrow there's one of the you'll end up with one of these skills that you've downloaded matrix style so you wake up tomorrow morning and you're amazing at blank blank or blank parkour wonderful For sure. (laughs) One of the best answers
1: that has ever been given in this category. (laughs) Um, Probably playing the piano. Great. And uh, speaking,
0: let's go with Arabic. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, Tell me when to stop. Okay. Stop. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pause this, do some calculations, not to be confused with a 745 a.m. calculus class. This is not that hard. Uh, and we'll come back with your 100% guaranteed MASH future. I'm so excited. Listen, this is... These are, good, these are really good results. Your test <laughs> results have come back very positive. Positive is a good thing in this case. Great. Um, all right. First of all... Where do I even begin? This is wonderful. All right. This is a little... Okay. First of all, I, I want to say you... It, mansion, Apartment, Shack, House, of course, is what MASH stands for. And you did end up with an apartment. Now, your apartment is in Banff okay so i don't know if that's sounds like your chili it's like main street you live above the coffee house or the bakery Ooh, let's put you in an apartment in banff on the on the kind of the main drag where there's like twinkling christmas lights year-round right and uh and you live above a bakery so it always smells like wonderful fresh bread it's like very toasty and nice it sounds lovely right all right I really imposed all of that on you. That may not be what you want at all. It's a nice writerly life. I like it. Uh, Isn't it? Okay, great. I'll tell you what, speaking of a nice writerly life, uh, you not only see life from through your own eyes, but you also get a day to experience life uh, in the mind and body of Joseph Campbell. Wow. That's deep. Yeah. He knows everything. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean he's dead but he knows everything well, i can't you can, wait i'm sure you
0: can sort of download uh, uh some of that stuff and just keep it tucked inside even just for one day i think just that like would be incredibly helpful the
1: symbology of everything in your apartment would just be completely new to me like i would mm-hmm. know everything and what it all means
0: yeah you could really break it down and then I would like kill myself because I would be overwhelmed by the (laughs) intensity of the scrutiny. (laughs) Um, uh, Speaking of downloaded, I want to uh, reassure and, and uh, congratulate you on your uh, immaculate ability to play piano. Oh, thank you. So fabulous. Um, That might even be something that is the envy of your own soundtrack composer who appears, uh, with brand new music kind of to, to uh, help you conduct your life, um, uh, Liz Fair. Oh, great. Very well done. Hooray. Very well done. Oh, my God. She already kind of wrote the soundtrack to my life. I so mean, I had to like... There's <laughs> just that much more to come. Exactly. Um, you also uh, have all the time in the world to and did as a teen to play ultimate frisbee oh hooray very satisfying I miss ultimate frisbee. which you know what listen that's a that's a real sport and it uh, it takes up a lot of energy i want you to know that you can at the snap of your fingers have whatever tuna avocado combination in perpetuity that you so wish Ooh. and i like that that's kind of open-ended because you can have so many different versions of how that's presented to you and enjoyed totally. ice cream cone or otherwise totally um uh this I'm um, this I really like because this it, it's almost like you wished for more wishes because you <laughs> ended up with Star Trek: The Next Generation, which of course has a holodeck on it. So not only do you get to live in that world. And all their many adventures, but you also can go into any world you want to on the holodeck. Don't think I didn't think of that immediately and get super excited for you. That wow. feels like you you beat the system in a really great way. Um, and you're doing all of this, having all these adventures uh, with a person that I couldn't be more delighted to imagine you with, which is the wonderful Cleo Duval. All due do respect to her partner. All due respect to her partner. Um, so congratulations, Aaron. I think you really hit it out of the park. Fantastic. Um, uh, I, I want to just tell everyone that the book, Vow of Celibacy, uh, a novel by Aaron Judge, is available on Amazon. You can get it. It is a very satisfying um, book to hold. Uh, it almost looks like a book that I would be given to read when I was in college, like in one of my human sexuality classes. I could see uh, being given this book to read. And to me, that's like the hugest compliment in the world. It's, that doesn't mean it's like a school book. It means like, I'm still most impacted by stuff that I read when I was in school, like great literature. Um, if so, any college professors want to teach my book, hit me I up mean, and I will speak to about. your class. This is what I'm talking about, and uh, and a special shout out to Janine who um, connected us because yeah, she Jean let me know uh, when you were uh, that you were writing your book, and uh, and I just have all the respect in the world for her. I think she's a fucking badass, and so the fact that she was excited for us to meet, she couldn't have been more right absolutely couldn't have been more right Great call janine brito great call janine brito anything else you want uh, uh to tell our wonderful listeners no i mean this has been great and i,
1: I hope that people are interested in the high school stories there's a bunch of that in my book but also a bunch of grown-up stuff
0: as well guys that's my podcast come on you know what you, you know what you're doing you're gonna order it right now um is there is there gonna is there an audio version by the way i'm recording it soon and i get to do the I whole thing audio books and really i love excited. your voice so i'm actually really excited because i i also want i mean i think it would be really fun to listen to the audio version
1: thank you one of the characters is english and i took an elocution
0: lesson hey i'm so excited bye joe well huh? no 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 not gonna even no <laughs> um okay guys uh we will talk to you next time on the podcast